3: Well, hey, everybody, it's me, Rosie O'Donnell, and uh, thank you for being here on my podcast, Onward, with me, Rosie O'Donnell. Today is August 24th. I know it's not this date when you are listening, but this is the day that we are recording this, and it is my daughter Chelsea's 26th birthday, which I can't even believe. I went back and looked at all the pictures from her when she was a baby up till now, and I have to say, it uh, really trips me out to know my oldest boy is 28 and my second child, Chelsea Bell O'Donnell, is 26. And, you know, we have had a difficult relationship and uh, we have been working on it a lot and trying to figure it out. I told her how much I get out of doing these podcasts and interviews, and we discussed whether or not she'd be willing to come on and and talk about, you know, mother-daughter relationships and maybe substance abuse and and goals for the future and you know she said she wanted to do it so i'm thinking about that let me know if you think that's a good idea because some of my friends i've said that we talked about doing this and they're like don't do that and <laughs> other people are like definitely do that so i don't know the fact that she wants to do it to me is encouraging i don't know i'm going to think about it so Hit us up with a message about whether or not you think that's a good idea. Today, the 24th, is also the day that um, Donald Trump gets um, booked. (laughs) He gets booked today. We're going to get a mugshot from Donald Trump, which is interesting. And um, part of me wishes there was a perp walk and uh, he was treated like any other person with 91 felonies against him, you know. Uh, he wouldn't be free, number one, and he wouldn't be without a perp walk. So, I don't know. He gets special treatment, as I suppose some people think he should, as he is the former president. But boy, oh boy, did uh, did he do something on this country? He certainly did. And I uh, hope we can all come together when this is all finished, as a, as a nation. You know, we are so divided now, and uh, it's sometimes scary. For a while there, you know, in my 20s, I was obsessed with cults. Anything having to do with cults, I was obsessed with. And it started because when I was living on Long Island and I would go out at night to clubs with my friends, I usually would just play video games and my friends would go make out with boys and I would have a beer and play Miss Pac-Man. But uh, while I was doing that, a lot of people from the Mooney cult, remember the Moonies? would come over to me and start to talk to me. Because I was there for hours just playing a video game, you know, and they walk around with flowers and try to sell the flower. And every person that stopped me, I was like, what's your name? Does your mother know where you are? Can you give me your phone number so I can call your mom?" Like, I was obsessed with getting people out of cults and the deprogramming that had to happen in order to get someone to sort of understand that they had been lied to and manipulated and how hard that is for the human ego to understand and accept, especially when you were fully committed to what you believed to be the truth. And I, I just feel like our nation might need that, like group therapy, you know, by the millions. That's the thought that I had today as it's a big day. Uh, August 24th, 2023. Well, listen, um, on this wonderful day, we have a wonderful interview coming up right now, and Maria Bamford, who is one of the funniest comedians, has a brand new book out, and it's absolutely wonderful. It talks about her life and her mental illness and what she sort of lives her life by, what kind of rules and what kind of challenges. And I've been a fan of hers for a very long time, and I had never met her and was so thrilled to get to sit down with her. She's very, very funny, and uh, she's somebody that you should all pay attention to. As we talk about in the interview, Steve Colbert said that she was the funniest comedian on earth, (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of pressure there. Uh, Maria Bamford, right now. Well, hi, Maria. How are you?
2: Hello, Rosie. Thank you so much for having me on the program.
3: Well, I am a fan of yours. I'm an admirer of yours. I love to watch you work. And I read your book in like two days. Oh, (laughs) yeah. It's a quick read. It's uh, it, a. T- no, it was. I was so relating to it that I was like, wow, we have so much in common. You know, <laughs> the mental state issues, the intrusive <laughs> thoughts, the OCD. I was like, we would be besties. We just got to hang oh more. Oh,
2: my God. That's. Well, I'm delighted. Not everybody is into it so i or or understands it so
3: uh you've had the intrusive thoughts oh my god my whole life pretty much i still have them now and when they get really bad like you know i have a 10 year old daughter and uh then i have children over 20 four children over 20 but at 50 i adopted a a newborn baby girl and she has autism and uh So I'm overly worried about her safety and everything just because of the communication issues and whatnot, her not being able to pick up on cues. But how it manifests inside of me is constant obsessive compulsive thoughts of her getting in danger. So like DoorDash will ring and she'll go, I'll get it, mommy. And my heart starts going like as if there's a rash of DoorDash people stealing ten year old autistic girls from their home when they're delivering Chipotle. But still, I I related so much to the intrusive thoughts, and and it was since I was a kid, like yours was. Yeah, it's a uh,
2: it, it. I think it's something everybody has. It's just some people. Yeah, it becomes a part. Uh, it stops you from living a full life. Um. Yeah, I started around nine or ten, and just would stay up all night worrying about things that, in retrospect, are ridiculous.
3: Like, give me give me an example of, of when you were a little girl. What was something that stuck in your well, head?
2: One of my, yeah, so my sister gave me titty twisters. It was the 70s, so it was not personal.
3: Sure, I remember and, them well.
2: Yeah, yes. and I somehow got it in my head. I thought, well, despite the fact it was done to me, that I you know, had no desire to do it to someone else because I know how bad it feels, I had no plans to, no, like it wasn't a sociopathic desire to. I somehow got afraid that now I, because I had it in my head, that I was going to out of, be out of control. And I would twist the teats, break off the breasticles, hoot the honkers of people that I loved and cared about. So I would stay up all night and sit on my hands to prevent God. myself from doing such a monstrous thing. My parents, when I told them about it, uh, they sent me to a, a faith-based healer, which I love a faith-based therapist. They can really help people. Uh, But this one just gave me more things to worry about. Like like
3: Jesus and the Bible, perhaps? Well,
2: suddenly, have you ever read the Bible? Very sexual, very violent.
3: it is. It's not like (laughs) casual, easy reading. No,
2: it is not. And so then I started getting more obsessions of like, what if I Kill my family. What if I, you know, Mm. uh, am a sex offender and I just don't know it? Um, Now,
3: (laughs) honey, oh, you're tortured by it. It was just awful,
2: and it's very, or it's relatively common. If you do need help, please go on the IOCDF Foundation. uh, International OCD Foundation has a lot of free resources. Um, It's all based on taboos. So whatever in your culture is a taboo at the time when I was growing up it was homophobia so I was afraid that I was gay uh right like but it's whatever it is would be your worst case scenario afraid I was gay afraid I was a um serial killer some people it's postpartum depression they can fear that they're going to harm their child and it's very difficult to share about because it, it you know people can misunderstand it um I don't know if you've ever uh, seen a therapist and basically written them a check at the end of the session for $75 to call the cops on you, because uh, they are mandated
3: report- reporters, which I understand. They're mandated <laughs> reporters, reporters, yes. Which I understand, but... It is hard when you tell the truth to a therapist and they come back with, here's what I have you know. to do to you now, you know? Then it really, really curtails what you're willing share- to share in the next session, right. you know?
2: Which... OCD is a different thing. It's a fear of doing something, and not that people who um, have uh, plans to do something or genuine, you know, sociopathic tendencies or are hurting someone shouldn't deserve help too. I, I would argue that people in our society, those people who are genuinely harming people, need even more help. <laughs> but um, yes, without a uh, doubt, I think that's also a taboo subject. Where I mean, I think we've dealt with this in the comedy community of like. Boy, do I wish that was a real opportunity for a lot of the unregistered sex offenders in our business to talk about it on stage. Tell (laughs) us what the fuck is going on in your mind, man. You know, just talk about it or talk about what's changed or if you've changed anything. And if you haven't changed, please give
3: us a heads up. <laughs> yeah. Warn us. Let us know, really. Now, when you were a little girl and this was happening and your parents were trying to help you, obviously, yes. and, and your sister was tormenting you, <laughs> uh, did you get to suicide a, 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 in your head, ideation a, as a young yeah, child, n- like a nine, nine or ten-year-old? Ten nine, years old. I,
2: you know, of course, I
3: don't
2: think... Anybody really understands what death is, but the idea of death and like, oh, I just like this to be over and life not feeling great. And I think I've always had that, you know, like it's only been since I've been on meds where I kind of understand when somebody says, you guys, let's just have a really good time. Like I've never really understand what somebody <laughs> said <laughs> confidently. We're just gonna get away from the weekend and have a great time. I'm like really? Or are we just gonna go to a different set of circumstances that will have about the same level of suffering. Um, (laughs) It's
3: so true. You know, people try it all the time. In AA, they call it a geographic, right? right. right, When you just think, I'm just going to move and everything's going (laughs) to be better because when I move, I'm not going to take any of me with me. And guess what? You keep showing up, honey. You keep showing up. (laughs) Now, how did, honestly, a a kid with... Now, although I can ask myself the same question, but how did a kid with a lot of mental illness... Issues bubbling up and showing themselves early go into comedy. But then again, why did I ask that question? Because all of us are like, every comedian you're going to find has a story like ours, I think.
2: Yeah, and I think your job or whatever path you've chosen in life really probably speaks to a deep childhood need, whatever that was. I was definitely very shy as a kid. My sister and my mom were much more gregarious and really had better material. Uh, they were very funny, and um, and so... <laughs> and they weren't even trying. We're they weren't even, even trying, Trying, I tell you. I had rehearsed <laughs> right. my stuff, and um, yeah, so also I, I love the elation, the chemical reaction that comes from people paying attention to you. Uh, that feels glorious to me. Um, even, and I would argue a little bit even to say even if it is lightly negative. Even if I bomb, uh, I do get sort of this, and I don't know if it's the testosterone in me of like, yeah, go to hell. Like like when I don't do well.
3: I just brought it, man. (laughs) I brought it and you didn't deliver for me. Right. More with Maria Bamford right after this.
1: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic
4: beautiful skin at every age learn more at meaningfulbeauty.com
3: you know i started at stand-up when i was like 16 which is crazy when i think back now as a 61 year old up on the stage trying to tell like you know truths that people who paid money should listen to. <laughs> I was like the babysitter most of them left at the house with their kids, but I would get up there and when I bombed, I remember thinking to myself, well these people just don't get it. They're going to feel so stupid when I'm very successful and they I had no ability to understand that partially it was me. I always blamed the crowd, yes, yes. you know, which which worked opposite ways, too. <laughs> if if I did really well, I thought, well, that was just a hyper crowd. So I didn't take all of the credit, but I took, you know, a lot of the blame. Is that yes. it? Yeah, kind of- yeah.
2: I, I mean, I don't know. There's all these arguments within the art form of, like, what comedy is and what's real comedy and what's a real comedian. Like, is the person who makes everybody laugh. Like, is that the best comedian? Like, it, you know, like, okay, you, you can go in anywhere, you know, and you can, you know, even if people don't speak the same language, you can mime and make it work. And right. I am definitely a hothouse flower. I only bloom <laughs> under the most precious of circumstances. And yes, I, I, you know, I, I love comedy. I know, but I, I know where I'm going to very poorly. And that's the Vegas Strip, any night of the week, uh, three shows a night on Fridays. <laughs> I'm
3: going to bomb. I understand. <laughs> Comedy shop at the Trop. Well, I remember that. I, I used to perform there and it was like four shows a day. You had to go for three weeks. <laughs> you stayed in the tiny little room. I don't remember. I mean, when I think back now on, on what we both did, because, you know, I'm like almost a, a decade older than you. But what we had to do to to break into comedy, to do the comedy, what when there were so few women. i I mean, did you have that when you were coming up or, or were there women that you looked to and thought, that's what I wanna do? That that's the kind of comedian I wanna be. There
2: were definitely more women like I know Margaret Show, um Janine Garofalo yes. were uh you know, so I I feel like There were more women, but there was still that, and and I feel like I was very privileged. uh, White, blonde, uh, you know. I think I was adorable. High voice. You still. Everyone's gonna love that, unless they don't. And um, (laughs) and, um, and so it's really wonderful to see now. I mean, there's just so much more representation and. And interesting ideas, like, my favorite kind of comedy is when you're only talking from your own experience, which I I don't always do that, but, like, not punching down or say, like, the whole thing about saying about gender stuff, you know, people go, I just don't know, whatever, like, it's not, you don't have a dog in the fight. Why do you? Why are you even talking about this? Like,
3: I, I so, so agree. And it's so offensive to me because some of the most known people who do that also were at one point the most phenomenal comedians around, right? It's like, I feel like some of them I don't know why I'm trying to couch, like Dave Chappelle.
2: Well, Dave Chappelle has been very open about
3: his opinions. Right. I think he got stuck. Like a record when you were a kid skips on the trans stuff. He, he like his record skips. And so the beauty of all of his his prose and his perspective, it's not so nuanced when it's something that's out of his world, like you're, he doesn't have the experience. It would be really interesting to for him
2: to talk. These are all my requests of comedians. Um, for <laughs> if Louis C.K. tell me why, what did, how, what did that feel like to you take know, what your the hell dick happened, out? Louis? Like what did that? What yes? What did that feel like in the moment? And how did you rationalize that to yourself, um, Dave Chappelle? does it? Feel like what are the feelings are being brought up by the fact that uh, someone is trans and wants to be talked about in different pronouns? Like what? What is it that you're so mad about? Like what?
3: I don't know. There's right, just, and, and what does it have to do with you? Yeah,
2: and I I want to say I am not a great person. You know, I'm not in no way perfect. Please call me out for everything. I love to be a. Uh, Told That I have fucked up. I would like to learn. So, you know, please tell me uh, the, because I know there's tons of problematic material I have on my own albums, which I can't
3: erase. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, as we learn more, we do better. Right. As you learn, because. I mean, there's some stuff I look at from my old stand-up act, but mind you, I started at 16, Right. So <laughs> what did I have to really pontificate about? But, uh, you know, a lot of it I look at now and go, ugh, how cringy!" I can't even bear to listen to it. I can't bear that that came out of my mouth, but, you know, here we are, and in, in I'm 61 years old now. I've been at that uh, stand-up game for, for many, many, many years, and... um I'm wanting to get back into it now. It's oh, very interesting. Oh, that's
2: great. What, yeah. um, you know, what's your favorite place to work out new stuff?
3: Well, I haven't done it in so long because for 10 years I've had this little right. child... And so I haven't been able to go out at night. And then with the autism diagnosis, it you know makes routine really important. Sure. So our, our nighttime routine from dinner up until sleeping, which also is, is a little bit of an issue, uh, we have a, a specific routine. So for me to be out during that a couple nights a week, which you know you have to surf, you got to get in the water. Yeah. If you want to be a comic, you got to go <laughs> yes. perform at a club, yes. you know. But Wendy Liebman is a friend from so many years ago, and I think she's fantastic. I love her delivery. I love her point of view. I love her love of stand-up. And she has a little club in the Valley that she does a night of stand-up every week. And so I wrote her and said, would you be okay with me trying like 20 minutes of new stuff about being the mom of an autistic child, you know, because there's so many magical moments in that, Maria. It's really something else. It really is uh, quite interesting. And I've never really seen it performed from that perspective, right? Yes. And so I'm going to try to do that when she goes to school. I said, you know, a couple nights I'm going to go out and do some stand-up comedy and... And she's like, what nights? You know? <laughs> what nights, mommy? <laughs> you know? so. You're ruining my childhood, mother. Right? And then I go through my intrusive thoughts. Yeah. What if well, I'm not home? There's a fire. <sighs> there was a fire in Maui, mm. all those people. I can't get that out of my head. <sighs> I can't stop worrying about crises and this, you know, the Trump thing. And <sighs> it's like over and over and over and over. It's tiring, I have to say, it's tiring. While the whole Trump thing was very kind of traumatic and, and obsessive-compulsive-wise, I, I couldn't stop drawing pictures of him for, you know, literally—I'm going to send you some, Maria. I have, like, thousands of, thi- of paintings I made of him. And then I would write, like, rapist on it or, you know, horrible traitor. You know, I would write things on the paintings. And, and that's when I started to be treated for my OCD because the doctor said— Rosie, can I see what you've been painting? And I showed him the iPhoto folder, and he said, we're going to get you on some good medication that might help this. And For real? And I will tell you, the medication helped, and what also helped was when the indictment started. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like now the government has taken control over this rogue, crazy man, and we're going to have the systems hold, and he's going to be held accountable. And that, to me... Is what I needed to stop the O C D about him.
2: Yeah. I well, I'm I'm very relieved. Uh but yeah, the news it does feel uh it does feel terrifying and and personal. Uh it feels like what what can I can I do? And I think art is a is a very good way to deal with it. Um yeah, that the Trump thing has been just awful. Oh, I was gonna say what I've done. To get myself to do stand-up comedy. Because I don't want to stay up at night, I got to tell you. I understand that, too. So there's a theater in my neighborhood, and um, it's at a strip mall, as everything is in Los Angeles. Right. uh, Between a liquor store and a pizza place. And it's 30-seat. And I just did a show this morning. I do them at 8 (laughs) a.m., No kidding. It's like an AA meeting. <laughs> exactly. Everybody up and ready in the morning. Yeah. And there are plenty of people who are unemployed or underemployed, especially during the strike, who have nothing to do. It was, it's a freaking great crowd.
3: No kidding.
2: I've done like uh, five shows, I think, at 8 a.m. And, um...
3: I cannot recommend it enough. Wow. Well, maybe I will call you and get all the details, <laughs> yes. and then I can get, like, a spot at 10, you know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs>
4: well,
3: <laughs> I can open for you at 9.15 oh, or something. Oh,
2: Lord. But, I mean, seriously, any place, I'm sure, Any, but where, where are you in L.A., though? Where, where are you at?
3: I'm in Santa Monica, oh. but I, I used to work out at the Improv, I'm sure. You know, I could go there and, and ask. And, you know, it's very funny to be uh, – This age and to see the young kids waiting to go on with such exuberance and such excitement in their face and, and terror and nervousness. And, and remember that I was that person. And then somebody like Jay Leno would walk in. And he'd bump everyone. And you see, yes. all of us were way, our faces would go like, oh, no. But I don't want to be that one. I don't want to be the one who goes, you know, I am i don't want to bump anyone. And that's
2: the advantage to be doing a morning show, have done um, earlier shows at comedy clubs as well. And they want to make money. So anything that— <laughs> Yeah, they'll those, do it. Exactly. Uh, they'll serve uh, uh, curly fries and chicken strips at any hour of the day. Um <laughs> yes. so but yeah, I have that same thing too where I don't want to bump anybody because it is so monstrous when you've been thinking about your uh set all week and then, yes. then oh guess what? Guess who's yeah, here Jerry Seinfeld's yeah. here. <laughs>
3: Fuck
2: <laughs> yeah, and right. the fact that you know Terry Seinfeld, you could go anywhere, you know, and yeah, you could go anywhere. I mean, again, um uh Yeah, I love I loved his documentary about comedy, Uh, the comedian. I thought that was a very
3: uh, I really enjoyed it it as well. You know, we're so such interesting people. Like, you know, I mean, when you read, I hope everybody reads your book. It comes out September September fifth. Yes, it's so uh, it's so beautifully written. It's so honest, Maria. It's so uh, introspective and and brutally beautiful and i i really really related to it i i thought it was was just so unique you never hear anyone especially a comedian talking about their life in that kind of way and and it's so helpful i think to everyone when anyone who has any kind of mental health challenges like myself like you is able to speak to it and kind of free the people listening in fear who haven't yet given voice to what's been happening inside their brain you know well, h-
2: I do love that about comedy about like people talk about things that are uh not often talked about or frightening or intense and then then yeah it's something to talk about on the way home with your friends or or your family if you've made the mistake of bringing your family to a comedy club um uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> not a good choice yeah, ever not a great choice yeah. but- now, is what does your husband do? My husband's
2: a painter, um, so he uh, works from home, just like me. And he loves he loves comedy, which is a great boon. And uh, we met on the internet. Uh, we've been together ten years. How wonderful! Uh, we've been married for nine, and uh, yeah, and we've needed all the help, all the help. About three months in, we got a therapist. Um, I don't know what I'm doing I, I still don't know what I'm doing uh you know like I I don't have a uh insight <laughs> into relationships um but uh I, yeah I've also I've never had a relationship where I've gone oh I this is it this is the one you know I've never related right. with that part so the thing that really connected me and my husband were like let's do this you know we're both yeah. <laughs> neither of us we're both messes uh let's uh
3: (laughs) oh in a beautiful way though I mean who most people are messes but they don't want to admit that you know so when you meet someone in your life that you're connected to that you're attracted to that turns you on go towards that you know but I think do you think there's any autism spectrum stuff going on with you (laughs)
2: Maybe I mean yeah. Uh, that's my friend Jackie kation a comedian, shows says most comics are fighting the wind of autism. Uh, but <laughs> it's so true, I think. <laughs> yeah, because it's I do that feeling of safety in the control of being amplified. I mean, even within this, the, I'm amplified. I'm lit. I'm you know, yeah. You know, we're in a very secure dynamic. Um, it f- yeah, it feels very comforting.
3: Stay tuned, we'll be back.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. feels just right don't miss it mark your calendars and be the first to see it march 20th at 7 p.m eastern only on iHeartRadio's youtube channel save the date at new-qx80.com 2025 qx80 coming this summer
0: are you ready to share some joy and celebrate international women's day m&ms has partnered with iheart for women take the mic
4: Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
2: Oh, I also, so what were you paid,
3: Rosie O'Donnell, when you first started out as a middle? Do you remember? Um, I think... You know, I, what happened to me was kind of interesting because I was very young and then I got on Star Search. Right, yes. In 1984 yes. and I was like 22 or 21 and I had done maybe four years of stand up. Still, that's, you know, that's about that's it.
2: That's a lot of stand up. Were you paid on the East Coast what, from 60 to 20?
3: Well, Shirley Hemphill from What's Happening, that large black yes, woman yes, who was I so funny yeah. on that show. She was the headliner one weekend, and I was doing the open mic night, and she happened to come into the club to have dinner, and she saw me, and she said to the owner, I want her to open for me, and you're going to pay her $50 a set. And I remember thinking at 16, that was more money than I ever had in my life. And on one weekend, I made like $300 from her. And then I got on Star Search, and I kind of jumped from an opening act, to a headliner. Mm. So I kind of missed the middling phase.
2: Well, and that's so interesting. The $50 that she got you per show is the same amount people are being paid today.
3: Like, Isn't that scary? Yeah.
2: Like that has not changed um,
3: or zero. In 50 years. In 50, 50 years,
2: yeah. So it's really weird. And that's one thing I mentioned in the book. I liked it, doing open book accounting of like what, I earn as opposed to because you know they they don't go out of their way to tell you oh the, the whoever's open for you um, you was is local what amount. they're making right and then you ask right. them and so now I mean I try to ask everybody and then pay them an equivalent at least twelve hundred uh, a week depending on what I'm earning you know just so to make sure that I'm earning <laughs> that much money too sure um, of course. but um, I find that especially with comedy or any job where there isn't a union where negotiating for money, and um, I don't know if you've ever had to do that as a as a woman on your own.
3: To yes, for yeah. sure. And so many clubs, the the woman who does the billing, because it was often a woman who kept the books, yes. would come over to me and say, you know, we had um, so-and-so here last week, and they got double what you're getting. And you, you know. And I was—I had so many women come wow. over and tell me. So that's what helped me kind of ask for more. And and then I got a manager through Shirley Hemphill, by the nice. way. It was her manager, and she helped me, and he signed me. Oh. And then I had somebody to negotiate for me, which was so much easier. Because, you know, when you're young and you want to get on stage, you would pay them. Right,
2: of course. Yes, it's still the same. And people do, you know, yeah. it's like it's it's the same where – People are delighted, and if especially if they like your work, they're like, it's an honor to open for this person. And yeah, but it's it is very it feels
3: bad, it feels well, bad. And it's a
2: reflection of what goes on in our society now, where there's these massive, you know, people doing stadiums, you know, and then is their openers getting 150 bucks, you know, like
3: right, right.
2: Like, and it's yeah, it's just interesting. Um,
3: yeah, it's wrong. And, and, and when it feels wrong to you, you need to fix it. And that's what you did. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. A lot of people, you know, don't even bother to think uh, of the plight, so to speak, of the up-and-coming people. But I, I think uh, for you and, and, and for me as well, maybe I'm speaking at a turn, we can remember so vividly what it was like to get up there the first time, what it was like to actually make money during the, you know, the the goal of— Of being an artist. Yeah. To be able to pay, be paid to try to learn, you know?
2: And you might not have to have a second job while doing comedy, a second or third job while doing comedy. And um yeah, I worked as a secretary for the first ten years of doing comedy and so I which was great. I loved I loved administrative assistance. It was good times. Um but yeah, just I mean, it's it's the thing I think everyone's dealing with, with the gig economy of, like, having to negotiate on your own behalf. Right. And even now, like, I need to do that. Like, my manager, I have a manager, I have an agent, but I'm sure you get this all the time in L.A. Like, uh, we love you. Could you come and do this thing for no money? For nothing, Uh, Yes.
3: I yes <laughs> wow um I kind of can't I
4: can't I know
3: and you feel so bad what? but you go no yeah you know it's funny my my brother is my manager of uh, of all my money and he, he's very good at it but whenever I get any offer they send it to him as well oh nice and before I even have a chance to read. You know, he'll write back bullshit money. No, to the agent, you know, with I'm copied on it. And it's, unless he's like, unless they're going to pay you, there's no reason for you to get involved. Why are you doing it? I'm like, you don't understand, Tim. You know, sometimes it's an honor, sometimes it's, but on the whole, I believe we should all be paid for when we're, we're doing our, our, job that we learned through years of doing it for nothing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And it's one thing if it's, if I want to do it, if it's going to be super fun. Oh my God. I love open mics. I will do an open mic any night of the week. I I enjoy it. Last time I went to the open mic in my neighborhood, I saw an older black man uh, do a rhyming act uh, that was not only misogynist, but body positive. That's the kind of, that's (laughs) the kind of beauty you're going to see. But I, right. if somebody wants me to do a benefit, uh, yeah. I benefits what they turn out to be. They're far too long because they're going to book everybody, yes. and then um, it ends up being a hostage situation where you're suffering on behalf of yeah. Parkinson's through a, <laughs> a comedy show. Let's stop. Stop yes, madness. I understand.
3: <laughs> I so get it, honey. Let me ask you about this book. Did did you go to them and say, I got a lot of things I want to write down? Did they come to you and say, will you write a book for us, Maria? They uh,
2: offered me a $150,000 book deal. And I said, well, I like money. And then um, after getting the initial money, which is about $47,000, uh, then I read the contract. <laughs> and that what happens with the book deal, if you don't know, is you get a chunk of change to start it. Then- Three years later, when and it's not when you think the book is done, it's when they think the book is done, mm-hmm. you get another $50,000. If they don't think the book is done or they don't like the book that you've written, you have to pay that money back, the initial yeah, money shock. that you've received back, which, in effect, you've paid $50,000 uh to find out that you didn't want to write a book. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, is that fair anywhere? Let's just do the math. That doesn't sound fair. But then I'll
2: get another $50,000 when it comes out on soft cover. And uh, that would mm. be a delight when that happens. Uh, but that, w- that was interesting to find out about a book deal. Um, it's a slow burn. It's a seven-year yeah. situation.
3: Um, really that's the start th- to finish th- I think seven so. years You're,
2: for me this is we're going in on four years and then i assume the soft cover won't come out for i would think a couple years don't so you think uh
3: no i think it's a year later,
2: a year later? A year later. Okay. okay yeah maybe tighter turnaround.
3: there you go <laughs> did you enjoy writing the book um, did you find yes. it healing or
2: helpful it was it was it there was moments of giggles uh my favorite parts were I got to read it out loud to different friends. I paid my friends. Again, if you live in an ager, any major city and you own a house, pay your friends. Uh, yeah. All my friends, I pay them 125 bucks an hour if they are doing something for me uh, that is professional. And they were listening to my book. So that, that part was fun when I got some laughs. Um, the parts that were hard was then when people, the editors would say, Oh, we need more or less, or this we yeah, don't like. We this didn't part. like
3: this part. Can you take that out? Yeah, get so mad. Yeah, exactly. Um, you get so mad. T Rex arms, totally. Yeah, T
2: Rex arms. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's right. you know that's the whole reason you start doing stand up is that no one can tell you what to do, and uh, at least that's how why I decided.
3: I just that's how I felt yeah. too. When you're up there, you're the director, the writer, the producer everything. You're the sound person. You're, you decide where to put the mic, how to hold the mic. Yeah. It's like you're in total control. It's, it's a wonderfully freeing way to work as an artist.
2: Yeah, and if you run out the door, you don't even have to hear the reviews. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what about the review that uh, Stephen Colbert gave you, my favorite comedian on planet Earth? Right? Isn't that... Come on. I mean... What did that... Where were you and how did it feel? I don't know.
2: It felt in- insane. Uh, uh, he said it What you know? backstage. It was coming out on the show. And I was like, what is happening? What? Uh, but very grateful. Um, now, of course, a few years later, he did say, she's one of my favorites, which is a
3: precipitous drop, Rosie. Yes, it <laughs> certainly is. There's no way to avoid looking at that. And saying, I have fallen in his graces in some capacity.
2: <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, no, I've, I've got, uh, yeah, lots of support from the comedy community, uh, uh, some, some uh Jet Apatow, uh, uh, yeah, um, Mitch Hurwitz. have um, all been extremely right. supportive of my career. I, yeah, no, I'm done. I have succeeded by, beyond my wildest dreams now it's just time to uh, get a daily peanut butter parfait and fall into a pillow.
3: I understand. You know, I feel the same way about my career. <laughs> or like people saying, "What do you want to do?" I'm like, everything I've wanted to do, I have gotten to do. I have had an unbelievably fortuitous career. <sighs> I, is that even the right word? It's unbelievable to me what I have been able to. You know, people go, "What do you want to do next?" I'm like, whatever happens, I I. I'm open for whatever happens. I'm not looking to, you know, boy, if I could only get people to know my kind of personality. No, they know it. Yeah. You know, you're a known identity. <laughs> you're a known quantity. And you are too, right? Yeah. You're a known, you, you, you know what you're going to get when you get a um, a Maria booking. Yes. Don't you think? And, oh, my
2: God, yes. And so yeah. um, m- maybe time to book somebody else uh, is what I, <laughs> that's what I always say. <laughs> Why, why do you, You're so generous why do you to the me? other
3: comedians. Um, <laughs> why are you booking me? I've been here long enough. Don't you know these bits?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to write a new hour of material. Uh, Good for and, you, man. Um,
3: twenty minutes is my goal nice. to make the new twenty minutes because I feel like if I take on the chunk of an hour, which you know people don't realize, it takes a long time to write an hour. Yes. To get an hour edited and, and cut down and concise and and to the punchline as quick as possible. And people don't understand the amount of work it takes. like It's like sculpting something out of stone.
2: No, I had uh, somebody come to my morning show who said, so these are the same kind of three premises you've been working on. I mean, like the past several shows, this is kind of all you have. I'm like,
3: yeah. How nice. Yeah. Thanks for nice. coming. <laughs> Thank you for talking to me after the show. I I I, l- I hope you're at all my shows. Come on, what kind of bullshit is that? You know, you take the clay that is your life and you rework it into different things, a, a bowl, a cup, a, a plate. You know, you, you work the clay that is your life. What does she want for you to get someone else's experience? Right. Yeah, I wish
2: I had, uh, you know, do you want? Yeah, taking tumbling classes is that my next thing? Uh, do I need to interest you with a roller
3: skating routine? Yoga by Maria. Yeah,
5: yoga.
3: Yes, oh exactly. God. Let me tell you about how I felt when I started yoga. I mean, I don't know. I, I think you always rework your your life experiences into something more beautiful and more more profound as you get older and as you get more skilled at doing it and. You know the only way to to really do it is to show up and do it and and that's what i'm the book made me excited your book uh I'll happily join your cult
2: <laughs> <laughs> children your cult and i i yeah i yeah i think it it's but it's always embarrassing that's the thing in it's very embarrassing to go out with new new stuff and then people go hmm especially los Angeles people are like. Yeah. Mm, is that it?
3: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Is that all? Yeah. I saw that. Your last special had little inklings of that. Oh, shut up. You know, <laughs> Picasso, too much blue. Yeah. Okay. You're like, I should listen to you. But, you know, you do it, you do it, and you hone it the best you can. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny, I've been obsessive compulsively watching all of the survival shows on. TV, with the exception of Naked and Afraid, because I think it's gratuitous nudity, and I don't need people to have bug bites over every part of their body. But I've been watching these other shows, like Alone, where they go in the woods. (gasps) Isn't that something, that show?
2: How long do you think you could last in the current season? In Saskatchewan,
3: I would vote myself off before I got off the helicopter. You know, like they drop <laughs> yeah. you. I would be like, "Sorry, I'm tapping out." Where's the phone? No, I I couldn't <laughs> do it, Maria. I think they should have one for celebrities where you have to stay in a motel six for a month, and you get to have you know, uh, and there are no whatever cameras. minimum wage and there are no ca- minimum wage. Yeah, there's Cam- no camera. <laughs> you have to you write an essay every night about what it feels like. And then people will judge whether or not your essay was good enough. And then you get voted out of the Motel 6. I don't know. I mean, I could never do it, but I love watching it. I love think looking what people come up with. I love, you know, there's something about, Starting with nothing and making something, and and the combination of watching alone and reading your book uh, as I was on vacation last week, <laughs> and I was like, I want to start doing stand up again. Oh, I want to start. Yay! Oh my god. Yeah, it was you inspired me. You and Wendy Liebman oh, she's and Kathy the Griffin, best. truthfully, because she's constantly on tour. That. That Kathy Griffin doesn't give up, man. You know she's going to Vegas. Yeah, right. My lord, what she's gone through, and also what she is achieving now. She's, you know, the Mirage selling out. The Mirage. She wonderful. Isn't that great? You know, all
2: you have to do just. You just keep going. That's uh, that's the key. um, From what I've hence
3: the title of this this uh, (laughs) podcast. Onward, onward. No matter what happens, people, we got one choice: onward. Okay, (laughs) no going back. Onward. Well, I think that uh, you're delightful. You're so smart. You're so honest, and you're so in touch with who you are and what your brain is doing at different times. That it's inspiring to watch you perform because it's never ever a standard performance you bring your own stamp of Maria on everything that you do and that's the mark of a wonderfully talented comic that you you. can tell you know that is her it's been lovely to talk to you. you thank you for doing my podcast I've been an admirer of yours for so many years and I'm so happy that we got to chat thank you Rosie thanks so much thank you Maria for being here and everybody go buy her book that comes out September 5th all right we'll see you we'll be right back
0: like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness.
4: Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
3: Hey, everybody. We're going to take some questions now from you, the loyal listeners. Thank you for listening, by the way. We got one coming up. Let's hit it.
6: Good morning, Rosie, my name is Tom. I'm calling from the land of 10,000 lakes in Minnesota. Really enjoy your podcast, and I really enjoyed the conversation you had with Marcy Marie Simmons. Um, Boy, that really helped for me to reframe how I view um, certain people, certain situations, and so I really appreciate that gift you gave to me, and I know to many people, you have these conversations that are filled with with heart and compassion and it really uh, made an impact Um, say i've been uh, in the broadcast industry nightly news anchor for a couple of decades here in minnesota and uh, throughout the midwest and these days you know it's easy to get overwhelmed with the news and and things that are happening in this country and around the globe I'm curious what do you do to find your center of gravity? For me it's family faith um pulling a chair up behind a, or beneath a tree by a lake and and reading a really good book. What do you do? Where do you find your center of gravity? These days Rosie. Thanks for all your work and really appreciate the podcast.
3: Thank you so much honey that's so nice of you and uh I hope when I'm in Minnesota the next time, I'm going to get to watch your newscast because I will look for you. Uh, You know, what do I do similar to what you do? A good book always helps. For me, art, doing art or ingesting art, watching a great documentary, you know, doing a painting, um, mostly hanging out with my 10-year-old, you know. Um, Dakota is a very verbal, very uh, inquisitive, curious child, so they keep me on my toes, I can tell you that. For sure, and also the beach. I love to be near the ocean. I love to look out there and uh, reframe you know, just how important uh, things are in my life when you consider that ocean is so huge and you can't see what's beneath it, and all of a sudden, you know, a dolphin will pop up, and you're you're given this magical moment of of wonder. It's definitely nature. It's definitely people and it's definitely art and, you know, mindfulness, all of those things, all of those things. But my, my main joy in life is humans, you know, <laughs> I, I love people. I love to know their story. I love to sit and have a conversation. And, and I'm glad that you appreciate that here on my podcast. Thank you so much for uh, leaving a message. I really do appreciate it. We have another question I
5: understand. Hit it. Hi, Rosie. My name is Anna. I'm 40, and I'm a lawyer, and I recently listened to your episode where you had the weight loss doctor on, and you talked about your personal experience with Manjaro. First, I just want to thank you for having episodes like that. I think it's important to talk about obesity and medical treatment for obesity because people shouldn't be ashamed when they're trying to seek remedies for obesity, which is a disease um, that is not you know, necessarily their fault. Um, however, I was a little bit surprised that you guys didn't talk about the side effects or the negatives to going on these semaglutides. I know there's a lot of litigation going on regarding these drugs and how they cause stomach paralysis or paralyze you know part of the gastrointestinal tract um, as a result of using them. And the manufacturers simply you know didn't tell people that this could be a side effect. And then, just last month, um, the American Academy of Anesthesiologists put out a warning about these types of drugs, saying that people are vomiting when they're undergoing surgery, even if they're adhering to the fasting rules prior to the surgery. So I just wanted to you know bring a little bit of balance uh, you know that these drugs are not a panacea. they can be helpful, obviously, in the appropriate situations, but I just thought it was important to note that there are some very very severe side effects that can occur as a result of taking these drugs and people shouldn't take them lightly they should see a real doctor instead of you know buying it off of facebook or wherever you know a sketchy source you know you you want to see somebody who's, who can treat the real you and the all your other medical conditions besides obesity and really think about it before going on these types of drugs and what types of alternatives there are and just as a side note i also you know being 40 um and looking You know, towards the aging part of my life and trying to prepare myself for what's coming ahead. And I just wanted to say, you know, how much I appreciate you being open about menopause and things like that. And um, I'm glad somebody is talking about that uh, because, you know, I have no idea what to expect or when it happens or anything like that. So I just wanted to say, love that content and hope you have more content about women aging and what your experience has been, and have guests on to talk about their experience. I think that that's great content that's missing uh, on other podcasts. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for what a wonderful
3: in-depth question and comment. I'll start first with the menopause one, because uh, that was the last thing you said, so it's in my head. Yeah, I agree. Menopause is something we have to talk about more, and, and that's a wonderful idea. Maybe I'll just you know ask people uh, to write in if they have had a severe bout with menopause or just a typical one. Mine started at 40 and and it was horrific. It was so horrible. I can't even tell you. And no one warned me. I felt a very much hit by a, you know, a moving truck. Like I didn't expect to, I wasn't even on a street. I just was like, bam, you know? And the hot flashes are hotter than you can imagine to be walking in the mall or, you know, Target for me. And, And my whole back looked like I had jumped in a pool and boy, it was difficult. But that's a wonderful idea for another show. So we will definitely do that. Thank you for that. And as for the Manjaro one, you know, here's the thing. I had no side effects. Zero. Now, I have just been given a dose for the 5.0, which is doubling how much I have taken this far. And should any side effects come up, I will definitely talk about them on here. I think because I had none, in the same way with menopause, I had a lot. I like to talk about all of the symptoms and stuff that I had during menopause, but because I had none during my Manjaro journey so far, I didn't even think to bring it up. But yes, I've read those stories. I've talked to my doctor about them. She said, you're fine. You are on a very low dose. We're going to move you up to 5.0. See how that works. Don't worry. You're not in danger of any of these things. And you know, I'm going to listen to her. I'm going to believe her. Um, So I I don't know. I'm sorry that I I didn't do that in in some ways. (laughs) And in other ways, I don't know how to talk about an experience I haven't had particularly, but it should have been a topic that we brought up. You're right, we maybe missed that, but the the truth of the matter is I, I haven't had any side effects so far. To me, it has been a miracle drug. It doesn't change everything, but it changes enough that your body can almost re regulate itself and And I don't know, I'm a firm supporter, but as for me, my Manjaro journey so far has been fabulous without side effects. So thank you very much for the question. I appreciate that. And look out for that menopause. As I said, mine started at 40 and pretty much ended at like 48. I mean, it was eight years of hell, honey. So hold on, hold on. Listen, thank you so much for the voice memos and everybody, next week, Lena Waith, Boy, did I love talking to her. I admire her so much. I think she's so unique and so smart and so beautiful, and I... Had a great time. I mean, she's an Emmy award-winning writer, creator, producer, actor. She taps into emerging trends socially. She speaks to a myriad of experiences from her unique perspective while challenging audiences to think outside of conventional norms. I think you're going to love it. Look for that on Tuesday and have a wonderful week. We will see you then. Onward!